audio check. On this episode, we talk about the future of compounding pharmacy and how pharmacists can play a role as a clinician. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of RX Radio. I'm your host, Richard Waithe, and I'm really excited about today's episode. Uh, We're covering a topic that I don't think I've ever covered on this podcast. Uh, And uh, and the guest that I brought on is someone that I actually met while I was on rotations. Uh, Dr. Juan Lopez, welcome to the show. Hey, Richard. Thanks for having me. So today we're going to be diving into uh, compounding and for some reason, I could vividly remember my compounding rotation um, and how like extreme I felt it was as a, as a practice of pharmacy. So I'm really excited to kind of jump into it, especially uh, diving into like the technology side of things and the future of it. Um, but before we get into all that, Juan, if you can just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. So my name is Juan. I'm a compounding pharmacist at Pharmacy Specialist Compounding Pharmacy. It's in Altamont Springs, just a uh, uh, stones throw away from Orlando, and we do compounding and personalized medicine, uh, helping out doctors and patients uh, find the best medicine uh, for their therapy. I'm really curious about why you went into compounding pharmacy. Like, I, I'm, I'm sure there's a bunch of different reasons for everyone as to why they go into whatever it is that they're particularly like excited about in terms of pharmacy. Um, but what was it about compounding pharmacy that made you want to go into it? Yeah, absolutely. The um, Actually, it started when I was working at Walgreens and Rite Aid. Uh, you know, I was doing the normal community retail setting, and I just found out that uh, every once in a while we would get these magic mouthwash, you know, compound scripts, and, you know, just very uh, simple things uh, based off of what we're doing nowadays. But those formulations, I just really fell in love with, uh, you know, the ability of the pharmacist to create a therapy just specifically for one person. Um, They call that the N of one. So using all your tools as a pharmacist, you know, your understanding of biology, pathophysiology, uh, drug mechanisms or side effects and how to formulate uh, for a patient and, you know, formulating it in a way that that one patient gets the best results and the best outcomes from that therapy. So that really led me to to look at, at compounding as an option uh, just because every time I went to an independent pharmacy uh, in Georgia, uh, I went to Mercer University, and the uh, a lot of my rotations there had uh, compounding, and um, that was just one of the things that, that I really liked to see. Um, also, uh, another part of the, the compounding uh, realm uh, that you get to, to do is actually be a community clinical pharmacist. So you're working with doctors to create therapies uh, specifically for a patient and trying to get outcomes to issues that, that are impacting patients where they've already failed uh, the commercial manufactured drugs and, and they're just their issues aren't resolved. So you're working with a doctor hand-in-hand trying to create that therapy for the patient. Um, and I've also recently really just started seeing that um, there's a lot of old formulas that work great for patients. Um, they're just no longer available because manufacturers, you know, they just didn't uh, find value in continuing to make those medications either because there was just no more money in it or it wasn't profitable. Uh, so 
you know, I'm finding out as a compounding pharmacist, I can help those patients keep on their therapies that they've found so much value in. Um, and those therapies are oftentimes are, are health game changers for those patients. You know, I really had not thought about how the impact of, of a clinician as a pharmacist can make um, at a compounding pharmacy. I, I didn't even think about that being an avenue for someone that really wanted to, um, you know, be clinical uh, you know, go to a compounding pharmacy. Because a lot of times when people, you know, initially when you think about compounding, you would only think that the main role is the creation and, and mixing of these medications and formulas. Uh, but the whole other side of it, that's probably if not equally important, if not more, uh, that you now have a role in, in terms of being a clinician. So that's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool thing about. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really lucky that uh, here at Pharmacy Specialist, we got, you know, multiple pharmacists. Uh, working, and that's actually the, the the founder Sam Pratt. When he started this pharmacy, he was he called it pharmacy specialists because you know having multiple pharmacists there, being able to dive into specialties that really attracted them. That was kind of the, the heart of why he wanted to create um, the, this pharmacy. So we do have the the pharmacists, uh, myself included, that that look at the compounding pharmacy lab. You know, we're doing the formulations. But many times we're, we're able to break off and go one-on-one with the physicians. And, and I can tell you, it's really a test of your clinical ability to be able to, you know, you're talking about all sorts of different um, specialties. You know, if you're talking with family medicine, you could be talking about, you know, uh, pulmonary issues, you know, cardiovascular pain, and you're just trying to, to find that option for that patient. So it can really test your, your clinical ability and then your research ability trying to find that answer for the, for those patients. Now, is has the market, has the compounding market been increasing like, you know, over the last period of like five years, let's say, or um, or has it been decreasing? Like what's kind of the state of the union there in terms of like the opportunities, I guess, like to go into compounding? Well, the one thing is, I mean, it's always changing. That's the one thing I realized when I started working here is that no week is going to be the same as the last. Um, you know, specific focuses will come and go in popularity, but your skill and the ability to provide unique uh, pharmacy formulations and, and answers is, is always going to be needed. So, you know, when you ask people if it's, uh, you know, compounding market going to increase or decrease, you know, a lot of times people look at the at that specialty and they say, man, there's a lot of government regulation. You know, there's a lot of cost and, and just, you know, chemicals and equipment, people. Because um, as you know, the, the, the majority of the, the actual price that you pay for compounding medications goes towards the labor of actually creating that, that handmade preparation. Uh, so when a lot of people see that, you know, they see a lot of barriers and they say, you know, that just that might not be an increasing or flourishing specialty. But, you know, I see a, a future where the art and science of compounding is going to become more mainstream and it'll be called upon uh, even more by healthcare practitioners and patients, especially if there's drug shortages or, or issues going on like there are now. Uh, and they're really going to be counting on pharmacists you know, ability to answer the call for any need. So uh, before I go into like the technology side of things, I, I did have a random question that just popped up in terms of billing. Uh, how does that, how does billing work compared to like maybe a retail pharmacy where you're dispensing drugs that are, you know, already manufactured. Are you guys billing for like billing insurances, an extra like 
clinical fee to comp to actually like compound these medications? Like, is there a labor cost that's billed for to the insurance, or is that embedded in the pricing of the medication? You know, that's a great question, especially now when when there's a lot of discussions on you know um, billing for cognitive services and. Uh, you know, what mechanism do you use if you're going to sit with a patient and talk about their diabetic medications and, and things like that? So I think that's a current um, a current question that a lot of pharmacists have. In terms of compounded medication, um, we don't uh, accept or process any insurance, third-party insurance here. What we do for patients' therapies, just so that way they could get benefit from their insurance, is we give them universal claim forms. You know, and those will have, you know, the formulation, the ingredients, drug codes, reimbursement rates, and they can seek reimbursement from their insurance company in order to get any benefits that they may have. It's just the, the formularies for a lot of insurance companies are uh, all over the place, just like with manufactured uh, medications. So we do let the patient take that and then seek reimbursement. I know there there are a couple of pharmacies that do. Uh, bill third party, um, but that would be based off the contracts that they get and then the the processes that they use. But in terms of pricing and the cognitive service, we view the the pricing that we do. We just price it based off of the fair uh, evaluation of what it takes to build it, the labor that's in it, uh, and the quality that we put into our preparations. So. Uh, in terms of the cognitive services, that would be in, included within the, the pricing. And just like for years and for decades, you know, pharmacists have put their advice uh, included with the, the prescriptions that they're dispensing. So we don't offer a, or we don't charge a, a separate fee for, you know, coming up or formulating um, a formulation for a patient. Uh, but we do, however, offer uh, patient consultation. Uh, that we can have in-depth conversations, and that is um, just, you know, cash-based. If we're going to talk about, let's say, drug-induced nutrient depletions and we're going to sit for an hour with you, we do charge just a, a standard rate based off of time. Uh, we do that, too, for hormone replacement therapy, genomics evaluation, um, and, and things like that. So usually, typically, if we have to sit down with them for an extended period of time, uh, we do charge based off of time for our, our cognitive skill that way. Yeah, that's great. That's really interesting. I really didn't know that it was, you know, uh, especially the business there. I didn't know it was solely uh, cash focus and not not necessarily billing third parties. Um, it's just funny. I'm just thinking about like, I mean, you guys are just clinical ninjas. I remember uh, how just on the spot sometimes you guys would come up with like formulations and uh, and and different formulas and um, how to make them. So I, that was that was uh, an interesting thing to be a part of. I would definitely encourage anyone that's um, if you haven't been on rotations yet uh, to pick a compounding pharmacy rotation. It's really interesting um, if it's not already required uh, at your particular school. Um, one, this is also interesting how timely this conversation is as well. So another random question I have is: so our company creates uh, digital me medication education. Uh, for patients. And uh, one of our products that we use is putting a QR code on the label uh, for medications that are dispensed at a pharmacy. And when a patient scans that QR code, they get access to a digital um, patient education sheet uh, based on the NDC. Now, what I've recently learned is, is that compounding medications don't have uh, the traditional NDCs associated with them uh, when you're dispensing them, like they have like the bulk powder like codes and things like that, but they don't have a, they don't follow the traditional NDCs that pharmacists at regular retail pharmacies are used to, uh, which for us on our company side 
proposes a challenge where uh, we can't really know what medication patient education sheet to provide them because we don't know the NDC. So when you guys are dispensing these um, these medications, normally pharmacies print all these kinds of papers out to give to them. That's either a med guide required by the FDA or um, a patient education sheet. What kind of education or printed materials do you guys give to them? Is it something that you guys um, make custom on your own or do you have templates from others that you guys kind of use for patient education? Um, but tell me a little bit about oh, yeah. how that works. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right about that. The the chemicals we work with have NDC codes, but the actual preparations, the, the final preparation that you have uh, does not have an NDC code for that. So what we find ourselves doing is we actually create patient advisory leaflets, or we call them PALS. And with every, uh, you know, medication or sometimes it's class, you know, so we're not doing it on a specific dose of, let's say, an estrogen cream, but we have it for topical estrogen. Um, but we do go in there and, and, you know, interns have helped us and, and we go and we actually create these uh, patient education leaflets um, for all these medications because we think it's important first that the patient knows, you know, what is in this medication, this formulation, uh, what are some of the, the, the education and, and counseling points, you know, that they should uh, be aware of because, you know, when they're in here, we do talk with them about how to best use the medication. But, you know, a lot of times, and you see this in, you know, normal retail, uh, the setting that patients will come in, there's just so much being thrown at them at once that they, they sometimes need to go back and reference something in, in writing so that way they can see what's going on. So we do have these leaflets that we prepare based off either the class of compounds or uh, even for specific uh, versions, because sometimes a, a dose, uh, you know, a lower dose is used for a different type of indication or a different use than a higher dose. So based off of the, the needs and the, the particulars for a formulation, we'll actually create those uh, advisory leaflets. And recently, we've been incorporating uh, video education as well. So we have this great uh, communication platform that we can securely text patients. So if we know they have a question about how do I, I I use this medication or what information that I should know. Uh, if we have a good resource uh, that we can digitally send them, we'll do that as well. Uh, one of them is how to use a nasal nebulizer uh, to administer medications into the sinus cavity. Uh, explaining that uh, in words or even in writing, a lot of times these patients, you know, just overwhelmed. So having a video where it shows somebody walking through those steps is a great tool, a great use resource for patients, and I think it'll help with uh, compliance and outcomes. That's awesome. That's really good to hear. It's in interesting stuff. All right, so let's move on to the technology side of things um, and maybe how things are different now from how you know traditional compounding pharmacies used to be. Uh, tell us about the technology that you guys at your pharmacy is currently um, leveraging and deploying. Yeah, so a lot of the technology that we have is, is geared towards enhancing safety and the quality, the, the end quality of the preparations we're, we're uh, making. So a lot of the tech you'll see when you come in here, you know, we have a barcode scanning system. So every formulation that gets pulled up, we're scanning every chemical in that formulation as a, as a cross-check. You know, did you pull the right chemical? Uh, did you pull the right salt form? You know, is it uh, naproxen USP versus naproxen sodium? Uh, so making sure we have the right starting chemicals. 
And then we even have technology where our scales are locked in to plus or minus 1% air, and they communicate back to the formulation sheet to actually record and verify and actually uh, allow our technicians to proceed based off of the measurements that the scale is getting. Uh, and then also on the quality side, um, we actually have, you know, calculations of percent error based off of that plus or minus um, uh, margin for, for measurement. Uh, so that'll actually let us know, okay, based off of what we've done and what we've created, you know, what is the percent error? So that really helps a lot with the safety and the quality and the accuracy of the compounded medications. Uh, we also have equipment that has helped us out. And, you know, uh, some of the, the pharmacists that, that are listening to this, they might, re, you know, remember, oh, we put some stuff in a mortar and pestle and, and mixed it up and, you know, we're grinding it. And, you know, it's really cool because a lot of the, the, the old school processes, we've been able to, to, to use some awesome technology. So, you know, years ago they came out with an electronic mortar and pestle and that, that's been used for years to, to mix uh, medications and get even mixture and proper mixture. Uh, but recently in the past uh, one or two years, we've actually uh, had an opportunity to use a, a speed mixer, uh, which uses planetary mixing, uh, a motion uh, that um, actually helps get an even mixture throughout whatever you're preparing. And, and a lot of times, like with our creams, it makes it so there's no air pockets or air bubbles and, and has that uniformity. So we actually have a flat tech speed mixer that we've been using uh, quite a bit. And it's really cool because this mixer has been used in a lot of different industries. But, you know, transferring it to the compounding pharmacy realm to get better quality uh, preparations has, has been great. We've sent off testing to the labs for third-party uh, verification. And, and mixtures just are coming in spot on. It's really a great piece of technology to use to enhance the quality of the compound. That's oh, crazy. That sounds uh, – it's the amount of the amount of technology that's I think improved um, over the last couple of years. I mean, it's wild in, in all aspects of pharmacy, and and crazy to see it going to the compound world as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, what about? I remember the last time we connected, and this is actually when we when we uh, even decided to uh, uh, have this interview and do this podcast. You had mentioned something about like three D, uh, like three D printing, or not three D printing, but like three D uh, uh, mixing or something like that, or. Um, I'm not sure oh, exactly yeah, what you had talked about. Is that something that you guys have now or is that like in the future for what is in the pipeline? Yeah, that's that's actually something that we were uh, – it, it's it's in the pipeline. It's it's actually – it's a reality in, in a lot of compounding pharmacies. So we were actually um, a beta site for uh, Vitae Industries. They have – it's called like the 3D printer for compounding. Uh, it's actually an auto compounder is the name of it. And it's uh, it's something that we had the ability to be a beta test site for. We were one of the first pharmacies in the nation to have access to this technology. And it was really great because we were able to provide input um, on different formulations, on different uses, back to, to Vitae Industries. Uh, the CEO is actually a... Um, a Central Florida native who uh, who went to the same undergrad that, that I did. And we just connected and we were able to look at, you know, how can we use this 3D printer auto compounder for compounding? And they had been looking at, at ways of, of using it. So that's actually something that um, is, is being used now. Um, it's something where you can actually automate the process to create personalized medication for your patients. And, you know, variability, like if you just need to change the dosing, 
the 3D printer will will take it into um, will take all those calculations and actually create it so that way the medication that comes out, whether it's a trochee, a tablet, even using the the the, the technology to fill capsules in a certain way. Um, all that can be customized based on the, the patient's needs. And the great thing is because it's, uh, it's more of the automated um, AI technology, we can use that, that speed mixer to get a really good uh, mix on the, on the preparation material that you need. And then the auto compounder can, you know, create whatever strength uh, trochees you need or suppositories or, you know, whatever dosage form uh, that they have set up with that you can actually create that. So that's one of the things that's, that's really cool about what's coming down, uh, down the pipeline. And a lot of pharmacies actually use it. And if you go online and you look up Vitae Industries or uh, you even go on Facebook and see them, you can actually see that 3D printer at work uh, putting out the, the formulations and the dosages, and it's just pretty cool stuff. Yeah, I'm going to try to find that actually and maybe link it uh, to the show notes at the bottom of the uh, the episode. That yeah. sounds really interesting well, and actually they – they recently they were on the news too because um, you know the, with all this 3D printing you know they're printing uh, the, those Y uh, connectors for ventilators and things like that and looking mm. at the uh, the ability of, of you know for drug shortages you know if you need the 3D print something on demand but you need to change the dose you know you can do that uh, with this machine so uh, yeah there's they were actually I think on Fox News a couple of days ago uh, showing this sort of technology uh, in use. So if you can – I want to have another question about the uh, the auto compounder and how like how much end-to-end is it. So is it something that there's a lot of prep work that something needs before it goes into the auto compounder um, or is it kind of like you just feed it a powder and then it's able to – you press – you know, you do some programming and it's able to do something. So like how end-to-end is it and what other things are needed around that? Um, or I guess like what are the limitations around that auto compounder currently? Well, one of the cool things is that when you're when you're compounding it, and, and what Vitae has done is they've actually done a really good job of listening to the compounders and the needs that they have. So it's a very flexible um, platform for you to use. So if you're mixing it, and let's say you're just doing like a single preparation on it, uh, you can actually you know spin the media. So you still have to prepare that under the hood and mix it well. Um, and that's like where our speed mixer comes in. We're able to do that, but you know, you're able to actually print a concentration, uh, uh, you know, media cartridge pretty much is what it is. It's a cartridge that then when you need, like, let's say a 10 milligram dose, it prints it out in a certain, um, amount versus like, if you need to do a five milligram dose. So, you know, the, the flexibility in there is that you do have the option of using, you know, a single formulation, to run uh, to run different batches of different strengths that you would need. So in terms of that, it, it, you know, that's pretty end to end after it's after you've done the mixing. And a great thing too is because it's accurately dispensing the dosage form either in a, into a mold or as you know a capsule or anything like that. The cleanup is much more you know effective than if you have to you know get the whole entire hood. Uh, dirty while you're, you know, preparing one preparation, then going in and then, you know, cleaning it down, preparing it for the next round. There's, there is a lot of time in cleanup and, and preparation, so that way you don't have cross contamination. Uh, so that's one of the the ways that with the auto compounder, you're able to actually do multiple dosage forms, but using some of the same media cartridge, 
that you do. And then the other thing too is if you're um, if you're looking at, at like trochies, when, whenever you put those in the mold, a lot of times you have to go back and then you know reheat the top and then make it more uniform so that way it, it's evenly dispersed. With the auto compounder, you kind of cut on the whole time process because it's accurately dispensing the correct amount per mold. So then that way you're not having to go back and reheat or, or, or you know, try to uh, make sure there's an even uh, dispensing over the whole mold. You already have that. So the time aspect of it, uh, of preparing that compound goes down. Interesting. Well, you definitely brought back some not so fun memories talking about the cleanup uh, to prevent <laughs> <laughs> cross contamination. Oh, man, that was fun. Um, all right. So what, what else? Uh, might be still in the pipeline for compounding pharmacy in terms of like technology and anything else that's uh, top of mind or interesting to you? Well, definitely uh, genomics. Uh, we've been going to a lot of um, uh, seminars on pharmacogenomics, nutrigenomics, just personalized medicine, uh, precision medicine. Uh, and we're seeing that with like, even now with telehealth, uh, there's a big boom in that. So being able to talk with patients and then personalizing their medication all through telehealth and and using the, the genomic platforms and the information that's out there, I think that's going to be a huge um, advantage for both healthcare practitioners and patients taking advantage of that. Because if they know they can't metabolize a certain dose, uh, a certain drug and they need a modification in their dose, you know, they can let us know that. We can, you know, look at their genomics talk with their prescriber and then being in a compounding pharmacy and especially if you have like the auto compounder or if you have a, a, a you know a, a cream lab set up where you can easily change dosages uh, on you know their their compound that's a great way to get that dose even more specific to that patient and and especially now with the the coronavirus pandemic everything that's going on utilizing telehealth to connect and still personally have that face to face with patients uh, and even doctors as well when, when, when you're doing the consults with them. I think those two things are going to be a great tool for the future of pharmacy. So if you can pull out maybe like your crystal ball of the future um, of pharmacy and, and specifically the industry of compounding, um, what does that really look like to you in terms of uh, the future of that particular industry? Well, I really see that that uh, the personalized precision medicine is going to be a huge, um, a huge everyday uh, fact of life you know, going forward. There's actually a really cool TED talk uh, by David Kraft. He he actually did it in 2018, and he was talking about 3D printing and, and personalized medication for patients. And he was talking about how that's even the way of the future, and, and that's what I see too. Is, being able to take the art and science of compounding and our expanding knowledge on, on genomics, on how people tolerate therapy, even on in compounding, there's always new types of bases coming out that allow us to better target uh, therapy areas. So whether that's a, um, a gel that, that will actually migrate more towards inflamed areas, uh, if it's a, a cream base that has anti-inflammatory properties, you know, being able to use all those tools and genomic medication, I think that that arena of personalized precision medicine is going to be something that really comes out um, and, and is a staple of, of how we take care of people in the future. Awesome. Well, super interesting stuff. Um, I do hope, you know, others 
uh, that really did not know much about compounding uh, or, or wanted to learn more, really got a lot of value out of this because I sure did learn a whole lot. So um, I appreciate that and I appreciate your time. Uh, Juan, what's the best way for people to reach out to you if they want to connect after the episode? Oh, absolutely. Well, they can reach out to us, uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, you know, the pharmacies on Facebook. So if they want to, you know, like us and see, you know, what we're up to, that's a great way to, to keep in touch with us. And also, um, you know, if they have any questions or especially people looking at getting into compounding, uh, especially if you're a student and you're, you know, you have questions, you know, on like, what, what do I do to even get ready for that sort of career? Uh, they can always email me. It's Juan, J-U-A-N at makerx.com. And, uh, and one thing too, especially now, um, that we have, you know, the coronavirus pandemic going on, um, I see a lot on social media with uh, pharmacists, just, um, kind of the, the state that we're in, you know, we're being recognized, uh, for the role that we're playing in, in, in taking care of patients during this time. And, um, something too that I've seen with compounding pharmacy is that, uh, during this time of drug shortages, uh, it, it's something that, that we can step up and, and, and help fill. So, you know, hydroxychloroquine out there with patients that, that have lupus and RA, rheumatoid arthritis, uh, you know, because that's one of the therapies being considered for COVID-19, a lot of those patients sometimes don't have it. So I think it's important too, especially pharmacists, uh, knowing that there are compounding pharmacies out there that have like the pure active pharmaceutical ingredient during these times, we can actually um, fulfill those drug shortage needs. Um, even, uh, you know, the FDA, you know, has done a great job to empower pharmacists as well. They, they've allowed us to, uh, actually prepare hand sanitizer. I don't know if you've gone out there and tried to find hand sanitizer, but, you know, uh, medical practices, first responders, patients, they can't find any. So I've seen, um, a lot of compounding pharmacies nationwide providing that to medical practices and first responders, just doing something that, that we already love doing, preparing medications during drug shortages. So, uh, yeah, if you go on social media and look up hashtag compounding handoff, you'll see examples of how pharmacists can, can fill that void during drug shortages. And, you know, even if you work in retail or you work in hospital, just knowing that, hey, maybe we should reach out to a compounding pharmacy, um, I think we'll be able to take care of a lot of people that, that may have reached a dead end because they just they don't know where to find their medication. That's such a crazy, unique role um, that uh, compounding pharmacies are providing. Um, I did not even think about that as an alternative. Uh, so I do hope that this message will kind of get out, um, not just for this particular pandemic, but just in general, like if there's ever a shortage for something um, to having and working with a relation, building a relationship with a compounding pharmacy in your area um, and just being able to reach out to them if you ever need something. Uh, so that's really, that's really interesting. Um, Absolutely. Uh, all right. One last bonus question I have for you. If you had the opportunity to take anyone out to dinner, uh, who would that person be and why? Um, but, but the person has to be famous and they have to be alive and they can't be any of the last presidents <laughs> or a current president. <laughs> you know, it, it may, it may sound a little cliche, but, uh, I think I'd really want to take uh, Elon Musk out for dinner. Awesome. It's uh, a good choice. Yeah. I've picked him multiple times. <laughs> yeah. One of the reasons being is, I mean, what he's done with SpaceX, and even though there were a lot of people saying, oh, it can't be done, it can't be done with a, you know, uh, privately or, you know, all the resistance and even the personal investment he had to make, he, he saw a, 
a future where this was possible. And I got to tell you, when um, when I saw those um, those rockets land for the first time, I was with my son, and we were just watching it on YouTube Live, and I was like, that's incredible. That looks like the future. You know, like when I was growing up, that looks like science fiction stuff going on. Yeah. So just being able to, to sit with somebody like that, even talk with them about what do you see the future now being like? And then, you know, I, I always, whenever I talk to somebody that has experience and wisdom, I always take it back to my pharmacy practice. I take it back to what I'm doing. So just that outlook, I'd love to get, you know, get that time with him to be able to say, okay, what's the future look like? Not just Mm -hmm. pharmacy, but what does the future look like? And then as a pharmacist, you know, what can I do to, 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 to get there, you know? It's awesome. Yeah. I remember watching those things land for the first time and it, it's just crazy how great the, like it was captured on video, you know, like there's times things like that yeah. happen. You don't even see what it like, what it looks like. You just hear about it, but being able to see those two things just come down like in unison. Uh, that was one of the greater things I think I've ever seen in my life. And uh, it's just crazy how, you know, it, it was a first for a lot of us, but it's probably going to be something normal and like a standard of space travel, um, you, you know, in the future to come. So um, awesome choice. Awesome choice. Yeah. Well, Juan, thank you so much for your time and being on the show. I really do appreciate all your insights. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. All right. Really hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Um, I Again, really interesting stuff about how compounding can really help with drug shortages, uh, especially uh, during the pandemic with COVID-19. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Juan was really gracious enough to provide a lot of different resources uh, for people interested in compounding uh, and some of the resources that we had talked about on the episode that I'm going to link to uh, the show notes for the podcast. So definitely make sure to check those out. Connect with me on any of your favorite social media platforms. Uh, you can search RX Radio or my name. I uh, would be happy to connect, whether it be on LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Instagram, or Twitter. Uh, as always, thank you so much for tuning in. I really do appreciate it. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you.